Anyway, I see something in here that sort of looks like something you would be into. Um, what size are your feet? Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, and my always friendly, happy, ready and willing to chat about beer co-host, Mandy Murphy. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Not too bad. I don't know what was up with that intro. That was a very drawn out title. <laughs> Should maybe start over? No, oh. no I think we're good. <laughs> But unless you're offended by it. No, not at all. No. I think it's all accurate. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I I hope to be friendly and willing to chat about beer. <laughs> that would be a really crap podcast if you were unfriendly and unwilling. Might be more fun. <laughs> so, Mandy, uh, tell me about the beer you're drinking. Hey, Chris, go fuck yourself. Sucks. This beer's <laughs> terrible. You know what I'm drinking right now? I'm drinking a vodka soda. What do you think about that? I hate beer. <laughs> the worst beverage in the world with that in mind what you drinking right now mandy uh i'm drinking a good old reliable ephus oatmeal brown ale bless its brown ale soul it's like my version of your bone shaker that's right and what would you listen to in terms of music while drinking your old standby ephus brown ale uh my predictable self would have to have to be some mumford and sons or foo fighters okay to not entirely disparate bands, but different bands. I like that. What'd you think of the non-banjo heavy Mumford and Sons sophomore oh, album or third adore. album or whatever? I adore it. it. I've uh, yeah. I've been to one of the the shows on that tour, and I just scored tickets to the next one. Pretty excited. Hmm. Yeah. I guess getting to like Gentlemen of the Road's kind of out of the question. What with running a brewery and everything. Yeah, fair enough. I understand that. Um. I myself drinking, uh, I swear I don't do this on purpose. It was literally, I just reached into my fridge and it was the bottle that was closest to me, but a delicious, uh, homegrown Saison from Amsterdam, which I believe was what I was drinking last time. Or was I drinking a Stark Pils? The Stark Pils. I was, wasn't I? I think I we discussed the, the homegrown Saison possibly, but. We may well have, but, uh, you are right. I noted in the show notes for last episode, Amsterdam Stark Pils. For the listeners, in case you didn't know, because I don't know if we've mentioned this recently, but we do have a website, TorontoBeerPodcast.com. Every episode gets a, in a bed, so you can listen to it there. A little brief on what we're doing, but then also fascinating, I think, show notes, just to, in case our uh, insights and, and thoughts on what we're talking about isn't enough. It's where we link everything that we talk about. So if you want to check it out, check it out, TorontoBeerPodcast.com. Look at me acting like a salesperson. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it works for you, Chris. Sometimes. You, you're really selling it. What you what you failed to mention is that there are a lot of links in the show notes. If you feel like clicking around the internet, check out torontobeerpodcast.com. That is exactly what it is. Lots, lots of links. And lots of links. So, and helpful sometimes. Helpful links. So, um, yeah, but no uh, Amsterdam Farmhouse series, Homegrown Saison. Lovely. I think it's at the LCBO right now. Could be wrong about that. I'd have to look it up. But man, <laughs> you know me in saisons, and uh, this is a saison, so I'm in a happy place right now. Very happy place. Uh, so uh, let me just see here for a second, because I actually did legitimately open up my browser onto our window in case there was any follow up. In case there was any, any follow-up. But there isn't. Doesn't look like you have any follow-up from last episode. Anything you want to touch on that we touched on that, you know, was wrong or right or particularly noteworthy? Nope. Nothing. Nothing. So much for being agreeable and willing to talk. How about that, eh? <laughs> that was my attempt at being grumpy, but uh, yeah. That's no, good. Nothing. I just. You know what I've been doing? Um, uh significant amount and i talked about this last time but it just keeps ramping up uh home brewing home brewing i've, I've been, been seeing brewing. some of your posts about the home brewing I've looks like you've brewing. really gotten back into it hard well that's yeah i guess you could say that i've only <laughs> really made um like two batches I, I discussed the last one um about the uh, split batch the beer to guard and the uh, saison those are both uh sitting in the crawl space under my front porch at you know very cold temperature so crashed out just waiting to get bottled so that's exciting when's the, that uh, due up? 
Well, yesterday, but uh, that still hasn't happened. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to see. Hopefully tomorrow. But uh, did I mention in the last episode uh, that I'm I'm very excited to announce that I am now, well, shortly going to be gainfully employed? You did not announce that last time. Um, I think you and I had spoken about it since, but we should uh, talk about it. Make it public. So I, you may well find me, Mandy, walking through the door of Left Field Brewery, not an uncommon uh, event in our life, but this time wearing the blue and white of Her Majesty's Postal Service, which I believe is actually called Canada Post these days, uh, delivering the mail. I am set to become a mailman, or as they call it, an, a delivery agent. So delivery I'm very excited agent. About that. That's great news. That's this really sweet gig. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you kindly. I've ticked every box now except for training. I, I have starting on Monday, 13 consecutive days with the weekends off, of course, of training. And once I'm done that, I will officially be a temporary on call uh, delivery agent and looking forward to uh, making some money to getting some benefits. And also, I'm told on average, walking about 12K a day when you're walking a route. So some free fitness, not just free fitness, paid fitness. So very stoked. That's awesome. But and you're going to be servicing the uh, the Leslieville territory with our Leftfield Brewery on your route? Well, no. Temporary on call means I'll just be filling in routes as they are available, which apparently in Toronto is near constant. But I will never know where I'm going to be uh, until I get the call that morning saying, hey, why don't you deliver mail to Leftfield Brewery? Or, hey, why don't you deliver mail to Reinhardt Brewery? Or I could stop now. I could just keep doing that for a is while. Is this just your way to... Uh have an excuse to get around town and check out all the new breweries that's exactly it i'm yeah, hopeful that I, i'll actually get some west end routes and i actually get to pop in on places <laughs> that i haven't been to <laughs> uh, i can't remember where i was going with that oh we were talking about homebrewing and so that's why i haven't bottled uh the the most recent or the, the not most recent batch but the batch that's set to be uh bottled i also brewed up a big batch on my own all by myself nobody came to join me not even my regular brewing buddy josh uh, but I brewed on my own a really big uh, Vermont style IPA, which I was super duper excited about. And I kind of pooched something and I oh, I'm such an amateur sometimes. But basically, I when I mashed, uh, I missed my temp and I did some stupid things to try and fix it. And I ended up actually basically giving my uh, my mash uh, protein rest. <laughs> which if you're a home brewer, you probably know about because it's something you would never do because it's totally unnecessary. But uh, aside from that, I thought everything was really good. But then I took gravity samples of it yesterday and it had hit its uh, finishing gravity, except it tasted like uh, green apple Jolly Ranchers, which is that word I can't say. Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. I think I'm saying it wrong too, but yeah, that's exactly what that is. If you say it with confidence, though, it's believable. So the hope now, if I can boost the temp a little bit and leave it, is that the yeast will clean up after itself and it'll eat it all that up and metabolize it out. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to have 10 gallons of uh, vinegar to make. And there will be malt vinegar for every listener of the Toronto Beer Podcast, as long as they want to pick it up. So we'll see how that goes. But that's a bit... Uh, Bit of a bummer because there was a pound and a quarter of hops in that batch, which for homebrew is a not insignificant amount of hops. Not cheap. Yeah, it depends on where you get your hops. But you're right. In principle, that was a very expensive beer. So, so yeah. But if you want to follow along that, speaking of self-promotion and handing out website uh, addresses early in the show, by the time this goes live, if you want to follow my homebrewing exploits, check out crookedbullseye.com the uh, link will be in the show notes but uh, we're going to be writing about our adventures and our misadventures i guess you could say in home brewing there uh, i've got a post just about to go up of a do it myself which dmy doesn't sound no dms i guess that's dimethyl sulfate you don't want that in your beer doesn't sound as good as diy but anyway i made a stir plate and it's finally working so i'm pretty excited about that and uh, you can check out all that information on the website look in the show notes wow how do you find time for it all that's a lot of stuff chris well and tell me about it when i start walking routes to the post office i don't know if i'm gonna get anything done but we'll see what we see uh i find time for it because 
I'm an escapist and nothing pleases me more than being very quiet and sitting in front of a computer for extended periods of time. So that's why podcasting is so good is because it's at the end of the day and I can sit in front of the computer and talk a lot. And that's just what I need. Just what I need. This is therapeutic, Mandy. Thank you. Anytime. Happy to help. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about some uh, some some new beers, because, of course, everyone's favorite brewery hound got his own beer. Yeah, he made it himself. He was begging us, begging us to brew. Mm. Um, he's pretty short, so it's difficult for him to reach the control panel in the brew house. But we thought we would let him give it a give it a go. Um, it turns out all he really wanted was the spent grain dog biscuits and he doesn't actually care much for beer. Mm. Um, but anyway, he brewed, a brewed a beer called Wrigley and it's an oat pale ale. Yeah. Uh, it's a style we've wanted to brew for ages cause it's the style we really, we really enjoy. Uh, it's nice and smooth and creamy, but it's also quite bright and juicy. Um, somewhere between an American style pale ale, um, and a nice smooth, creamy oat ale. So it's really, really lovely, uh, and we are donating some of the proceeds to our local dog park. It's a, a space that we frequent, the Greenwood Dog Park, and it's got a lot of use from the community and really great sense of community. There have been a lot of uh, improvements made there recently by the city as a result of some uh, some fundraising that a local, um, I guess, group of residents had put together. And so the park is on the up and up, but it still tends to be quite flat and boring so we're working on that together with uh the city and we'll be using the proceeds from the beer to make those improvements and then Wrigley will be able to have more fun at his local park that is fantastic and he is a, yeah. a dog park fan then by by the sound of it i know some folks dogs don't do well at the dog park but Wrigley seems like the kind of pup who he would be the socialite he is yeah he loves other dogs uh, he doesn't always know how to greet them usually runs at them and jumps on top of them, but he's still got a bit of a puppy brain going on. Yeah. Um, he's fairly gentle, though, even though I'm saying he jumps on top of them. He's a pretty gentle uh, jump. And, uh, yeah, he loves the dog park. We've been going since he was a puppy, and there is a dog park, another dog park, actually, Monarch Park. It's on our, our route between home and the brewery, so he, he goes there every single day. Um, and then he'll often go down to Greenwood Park at lunch. So he gets uh, he gets some good use out of the local dog parks, and... The Greenwood one especially just tends to be kind of kind of boring. It's flat and rectangular, and aside from just running in circles, there's not really much for dogs to do there. So. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I go by that one um, not infrequently, and it's great that it's there because it's such an open space. It was like begging for it, but it does sort of have the feeling of being in a pen. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely does, and it's very, very well used. It's a really high-traffic park. Uh, I don't know if you know, Chris, but if you... Um, if you don't have children in Leslieville, it's actually law that you have a dog. I've heard that, actually. I've heard that if you live uh, with a Leslievillian postal code and once tax season comes around, if you're not collecting the universal child care benefit, they literally show up at your house with a dog and a sweater for the dog. That's what I've heard. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So if you, it's Leslieville law. And uh, so the park is very, very well used because there are a number of young couples in the neighborhood that they don't have children and uh, yeah, so dog it is. And the park's very well used, very smelly and square and boring. And uh, yeah, we're excited to make it a better place. What it's also sort of resulted in is more people bringing their dogs to drink with them and pick up beer along with them. Um, nice. So yeah, we've been meeting a lot of new dogs at the brewery, um, engaging with the neighbors, and just it's been a lot of fun. We also made those spent grain dog biscuits that Wrigley was, was begging for, and they've been a real hit. So we're having fun with it. It's fantastic. Uh, what with, uh, you might've said, and I'm really sorry. I was, I was scanning some notes, uh, um, for something later, but, uh, so do you know what the improvements at the park more specifically will be other than just sort of helping or like, is there a picture? Is there a plan? Uh, ideally what we would like to do is donate, um, an agility apparatus or a piece of agility equipment to the park. Mm. Um, likely it would be an A-frame and, and hopefully something else. Um, we're working through sort of budgetary pieces with the, the city right now based on our forecast of how the beer will sell and how much money we'll be able to raise. Um, so we'll see where it, where it nets out at the end of the day. The city makes the, the final call, but we'll be working mm. sort of through them to, to make the improvements. There are also some improvements that are taking place in the park right now. And um, some people say they are completely funded and others say they are underfunded. 
and so if there's a funding gap there, then we would firstly help to complete the upgrades that are already being made. Um, and any remaining proceeds would be used towards some agility equipment. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, totally non-related now, if we can flip switches, although it has to do with sort of community uh, betterment, as it were. Uh, I have this idea. This, by the way, is going to lead to a question directed at you, so stick with me. Uh-uh. Uh, but uh, trying to think of how to frame this. There's going to be an opportunity in the next couple of years in my neighborhood, uh, possibly to take part in a project that I think could be really neat, which would be uh, not a it's not a community garden, but a garden with public access, basically. And it would be it's meant to be ornamental. But uh, I've got this idea that I think it would be so awesome, so awesome if the garden was at least somewhat productive. And so maybe had a couple of fruit trees in it, for instance, like apple trees and pear trees. Um, And similarly, maybe used uh, edging uh, that was like a a fairly hardy herbal bush, like rosemary, for instance. But just using productive plants in it and making it known in the community that that stuff's there for anybody. And so on the one hand... The really altruistic side of that uh, is that, for instance, like when the fruit trees are are fruiting, where I live isn't exactly a neighborhood frequented by marginalized members of the community so much, although there are some. But if somebody were literally hungry, they could grab an apple and have an apple and grab four more and stick them in their pockets for later on, that it would be that. But then also... You know, a, a family or an individual walking by is going to be making some pasta later that night and they snip a little bundle of, of basil. Now, I know I'm a bit uh, pie eyed about this sort of thing. And obviously people are going to be taking too much and killing plants and stuff like that. But even just the effort, the, the attempt, I think would, would be pretty meaningful. And part of it is I was thinking it'd be so cool to grow hops in that garden. <laughs> I know that you guys at least used to be hop growers. Are you still growing hops? We do. Yeah, we have uh, three hop plants that grow in the backyard. Um, have you ever thought about, I know you don't physically have dirt at the brewery, but I know there's been some people success in sort of half barrels and stuff like that. I thought about like doing some hop gardening at the brewery just for an educational piece more than anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where we would really be able to do it. Like we're at a zero lot line building. Um, so we're lit with the... The wall of our exterior, the exterior wall of our building is attached to the sidewalk. There, there's no land or space. Um, we do have a side alley between us and the Pilot Coffee Roastery, so we could explore that, but it doesn't, I don't think it gets enough sunlight. Mm. Um, so we could explore sort of some rooftop stuff, but you need to go upwards from there, which could make it a little bit challenging. I'm not sure. We have one, one room in the, in the building that's almost like a courtyard. It was previously an exterior room. And then it sort of got enclosed Mm -hmm. and it almost feels like a greenhouse when you walk into the room. You're probably familiar with the one I'm talking about, Chris. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It would be really cool to to do some growing in there or at least to attempt it. But for now, it is the junk repository. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just filled with boxes of paper bags and hand towels and keg tags and all all this crap. So um I don't know. It's not, not top of mind for us right now, but it's something we'd like to explore longer term. That's cool. Yeah, I know. Obviously, I mean, uh, you look at like farm style breweries where they're actually making an effort to grow for the sake of, of ingredients. But I think it's I always think it's pretty cool when people kind of come to a brewery and, and are faced with, you know, things like hops growing and stuff like that. It's a really neat way to kind of to reach out to people. Uh, and to connect them, connect them to the, the the idea that this is like a agricultural product, which is which is what it is. Uh, it's it's cool. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, it's, yeah, no, I was going to say it's it's cool in that sense, and we should also look at it on the other end of things. Like we, I'm getting a lot of. I know we're not using a ton of spent grain in these biscuits, but getting a lot of satisfaction in sort of taking home some of the spent grain and baking the dog biscuits and seeing them sort of all the byproducts of the brewing process be. Um, used in a, a productive way like with every dog biscuit that we sell we raise 
money toward the park improvement. So it's kind of cool that a, a byproduct of the, the process is helping the community pretty directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. And that will uh, sort of just lead me to put a question out there. If any listeners have uh, any leads on potential uses for spent grain here in the city, I know a lot of rural breweries do have farmer connections and, and pretty strong relationships with farmers who, um, who will take away their spent grain and use it as feed. Uh, we do not, and what we've been told sort of repeatedly by farmers is that uh, for the amount of spent grain that we're putting out uh, and our, lo- our physical location in the city, it's just really not worthwhile for them to, to truck in and pick up the feed. We just don't have enough of it to make it worthwhile for them. Uh, and then any sort of more urban uses, like we've been in touch with the Riverdale Farm to see mm. if potentially they'd be, they'd be interested in taking it some of, our, some of it off of our hands. Uh, they're also not really interested just because they don't have enough animals. And so we found ourselves in this sort of weird spot where we're a little bit too urban and uh, not really producing enough beer to make it worthwhile for the rural farmers to come in and pick it up. Um, so if people have uses for, for spent grain, I know a popular one lately is um, if you're setting up a new compost system in your in your yard for the spring and the summer, Um it, it does help uh, act as a good starter for, for mm. the compost. So we've had people come in with recycling bins and kitchen bins and fill them up and take them away and use them for their compost. So if anyone wants spent grain, just shoot me an email and let me know. Um, it's yeah, also it's, a good mulch for your garden bed. If you, uh, It's not necessarily visually, I'm not going to say it's unattractive, but when most people think about mulch in the garden bed, they're not thinking about spent grain. But it does what mulch is supposed to do, which is allows liquids like water through, but helps insulate and helps uh, inhibit weed growth. So it's a good mulch. Yeah, Lots of it, fact. There, there are all kinds of uses if you're interested in baking with it or making your own dog treats or drying it out and, and using it in other ways go for it we, we have tons um right now it, it's fine we're just sending it off to a compost site um but it, it's kind of cool to see it used in more productive meaningful ways so mm-hmm. if anyone's interested send me a note and we have uh we have plenty of it on a very regular basis nice uh now i have this thing and i used to i've been mentally planning this for three or four years and i've never actually done it <laughs> I'm I'm probably closer this year than ever, but also, uh, well, <laughs> given that my schedule is about to get a lot busier, and also I sort of a little worry, have to be a little bit maybe more careful because I'm shortly going to be a federal employee, but this sort of thing, it'll all make sense in a minute. But if anyone wants to totally rip off this idea, I 100% support you. My plan had been to either buy or get donated or really more realistically just rub up against some people who grow their own hops like yourself, Mandy and Mark uh, and other people. And in the spring, cut some rhizomes, which is how you propagate hops. And I had this idea of gorilla hop planting around the city. And so planting hops in hydro fields at the base of a hydro tower, for instance, um, there were some really neat um, garden box planters in the middle of Ellesmere Avenue, not far from where I used to live in Scarborough, that had some trees that would support hop growth. But just as many rhizomes as I could get and spreading them out really far apart, just in case anybody got wise to the fact that that plant shouldn't be there. They wouldn't then identify six others in the same area and uh, try and see if I could gorilla grow some hops throughout the city and then just share them with anybody. Obviously the first year or two, you don't get a very good harvest and obviously harvest to be difficult because you'd have to go at night with a garbage bag and just cut the vine and jam it into the, the bag and then sort it out when you got home. But, uh, this was my plan was gorilla hop growing. So, uh, if while you're, uh, thinking about how you might use spent grain for gardening, you think about some gardening, uh, and and reclaiming urban land space, uh, you know, th- this is an idea you might be interested in. What do you think, Mandy, a- uh, as an individual, not as a representative of the Left Field Brewing Company? No, no, no. Even as a representative of Left Field, I've actually had the same idea before. I thought it would could be really cool, like a cool um, thing thing for us to do just in our own community. 
I've always thought, uh, you know, when you're driving along Lakeshore, uh, just east of the end of the Gardner. Yeah. And there are those along the, the cycling and running trails there. Uh, there are those former supports for the Gardner Expressway where it yeah. sort of used to exist there, but it doesn't anymore. And there are some yeah. vines that grew up the side of those. I always thought it would make a cool place for uh, hop planting. Mm-hmm. Um, they get lots of sunlight and the soil in, in our area is especially good for hops. Um, I thought it could be a cool thing to do. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to make a beer out of hops that were grown sort of around town from different neighborhoods. Yeah. The Gorilla Ale. I want... <laughs> The obvious, play, the obvious play, name. Play on words. I wonder yeah. what uh, I wonder what Parks would say about it if it's something you actually like. They're constantly planting all year, like part of the Parks Department. They they go around and they they plant. They do tons of planting every year. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they'd be into even doing something like that, sort of on the record. If uh, yeah. Toronto's going to be the craft beer capital of the universe, the city should be working on things like this. Well, actually, my main place that I'd been thinking was, again, up where I'd been living in Scarborough. Uh, there's a hydro corridor um, between uh, Lawrence and Ellesmere is where it mainly runs. It's uh, south of Ellesmere. And it has been uh, a huge section of it through the middle. It was made into like this naturalized area. So they dropped in all these wildflower seeds, like native wildflower and all these native grass seeds, because obviously those uh, corridors aren't planted, but they were always mowed. They were kept very low. So it limited what would grow there. So sort of kind of ganky, weedy stuff. But they went through and they did this and it's called the butterfly corridor now. And the idea was it allowed butterflies to be able to follow this path of pollinating plants and tall grasses that offered them protection from wind and from predators and such. But it runs through the hydro field, which means that that part of the hydro field doesn't get mowed anymore. And I was like, all you would have to do would be go in with some cheap camping stakes and like a hundred foot or a couple of hundred foot rolls of like jute twine. And you could easily web a frame on one of the lower parts of a hydro tower and plant a couple of binds through that. And then at the end of the growing year, once the hops are like ganky, same idea. Like you don't have to do the harvest there, but just go cut them down, stick them in bags like coffee bags or something and take them home, string them out and cut all the hops off. And it like, it'd be amazing. It would be absolutely perfect. So like the ideal, the, the frames are already there. I guarantee you they would never approve of it officially because you're not really supposed to mess with those hydro towers, but seriously, nobody would even notice like it'd be amazing. It's not a little dangerous. Depends how you did it. You don't actually have to <laughs> climb the towers. If you just used a weight on the end of the line, you could just be tossing it over that first bar on the, the tower, which is only about eight or 10 feet high. Um, so you wouldn't even actually like it's not like you have to climb the tower or anything. <laughs> and it's not like the towers are electrified. If they were, they wouldn't be allowed to be out there. Right. Like it's it's perfectly safe. So cool. I say it's perfectly safe. I want to make clear that the Toronto Beer podcast does not endorse <laughs> the perfectly safeness of screwing around with hydro towers. But me, Chris Schreier, I'm telling you, you're using a non-conductive natural fiber. You're going to be just fine. I'm not sure I'm going to get on the uh, on the bandwagon here with that, but. Growing hops around town. Cool idea. Maybe don't mess with the hydro lines. You're not messing with the lines. You're just messing with the towers. And you're not messing okay. with them. You're just utilizing them. Okay. You're not stringing frames to the hydro lines. That'd be crazy talk. You know the hops grow uh, quite significantly upwards, right? Is there any risk of the hop growing into the lines? And No, those lines are probably 90 feet high at least. If you get 40 foot growth on a hot plant, you're doing pretty well. It makes me feel a little uneasy. What's the worst that can happen? They're not made out of metal. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's some, <laughs> there's some, <laughs> I feel like this is a challenge now. Yeah. I don't, I'm not on board with this. <laughs> I'm going to come and cut some rhizomes out of your garden when you're not looking and go for a butterfly walk early in the spring with a trowel. <laughs> Okie dokie. Go for it. I'm not uh, I'm not condoning that behavior for the listeners. Mandy's not on board with the Hydro Tower hops. No. What would we call that beer? I don't know. Something electrifying. 
<laughs> How's the hops at home growing? I have no idea. I haven't been in the yard since the fall. I have They're, no clue. The shoots will be up in the next like week or two. Yeah, I I see a lot of stuff poking through the gardens, but uh, not not a clue. Honestly, have not even been in the backyard. You guys string them up to the top of the back of the house, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, we usually string them up in. I can just say July, once they start sort of peeking past the top of the, the fence, um, we tie a, we tie some string, like very thin string from the fence up to the upper level, uh, like patio of our home, which is on the third story of the house. And uh, yeah, they, they sort of make a canopy over the back of the backyard. It's pretty cool. Cool. And they brew up well, eh? Uh, I'm not going to go that far, no. <laughs> i'm not sure we've ever had any real success with, with brewing with them um granted they haven't been there for that long i'm gonna say four or five years four years well i'm trying to think when we were they were i think two years old when me and mark were doing the brewmance things like they were pretty healthy then yeah did, i don't know did you guys have a good result from that beer i can't really recall we didn't actually use any in, oh. a, in a bromance, I don't think. Oh, I, I'm we not could sure. be wrong. I don't know. Uh, so cool, fun fact. I had a really interesting conversation, and this ties in with hops, but I uh, I like dehydrating uh, some foods, especially if like I get a really good deal on like hot peppers at the farmer's market at the end of the year. Do you, you have know. a dehydrator? So I do. Oh. Yeah, it's it's not like a super tech one, but it's totally good. Totally works. It's got trays. It's basically got like a uh, a hairdryer motor uh, in it with like a fan. So it works. It's it's very effective. Um, but I was talking with a friend who's also a bit of a dippy hippie. And uh, I was saying, you know, oh, yeah, like I have this dehydrator. It's good. But like there are times when it's just not big enough. And or there are times when it doesn't have quite enough oomph. Like it struggles with raisins, like full size grapes are, are difficult because there's there's so much liquid in there. Sure. You know, and uh, and he was like, dude, you have a bigger, more effective food dehydrator. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, man. He's like, just get either like trays or like window screen inserts or whatever and load them up with whatever you want to dehydrate and then put them in your car in the summer and just crack one window enough that there's a little convection from the air. And he's like, guaranteed everything will be dry in a couple of hours. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. I never even thought of that. That's absolutely amazing. I've got that's a black pretty, car. Yeah, that's pretty clever. It's like, I, I've tried to dehydrate stuff in the oven before and it needs to be at like 225 for many, many, many hours. Yeah, but 12 hours. Or you something. might as well just do that in the car. Well, it depends on what you're dehydrating, I guess. Your car could get pretty stank up with weird stuff. Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to be like, well, dehydrating hot peppers for one thing. You Ugh. get in and you accidentally pepper spray yourself. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking drying your hops in the car. That'd be a pretty potent aroma, I would think. Just come to think of it, if you got pulled over, you might yeah. get yourself in a spot of bother with the uh, <laughs> the police over that one. Sounds like trouble. But, it might work well for the dehydrating of spent grain, which takes forever in the oven. Yeah, actually, it probably would work really well for spent grain, to be honest with you. It would smell like a bakery. Delicious. Mm -hmm. That would be good. So, dear listeners, if you're into dehydrating, you want to give the car technique a whirl in a couple of months when it's really good and hot... Let us know how that goes for you, because I, I still haven't done it, but it's apparently the done thing, I'm told. So it's a cool pretty, idea. Pretty cool. Uh, I was going to actually I got sidetracked here, but talking about gorilla hops and growing your own and stuff like that. Uh, what, Mandy, if you could grow one thing to put in your beer, maybe not like a full size batch at left field, because I understand that can be challenging, but maybe a, uh, what do you, what is it you call it? Little league or whatever when you're brewing on the, yep, the, brew the magic? little league series, you could do like a little league series. What would be an, an ingredient that you want to make a beer with? I just a, a not, and I should say a non, a non standard ingredient. I don't know. I go for fairly standard things. I really love fresh, local seasonal fruit. So mm. I'd love to do something with like some, really fresh delicious local peaches or nectarines 
you'd need to wait quite a quite a significant amount of time to have a a tree in your yard that would be mature enough to to harvest some grapefruit from. Um, Did you just say grapefruit? Oh, great, great fruit. Grapefruit? Not grapefruit. They said grapefruit. I'm no. like, yeah, you'd have to wait a really long time because it would keep dying every winter. <laughs> yeah, no, that that wouldn't work so well. I'm, I'm aware. Um, I grew up with a cherry tree, or a pair of cherry trees in the backyard. Sweet um, or sour? They do come in in twos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were pretty sour, but they were delish. I think I've always thought that would make a, a nice fit for a beer. So that's something I'd like to do. I actually got some uh, Morello cherries. I, I only know that because it's like Tom Morello, but at the uh, the Leslieville uh, Farmers Market, which I don't know if you guys frequent or not. It's we do. more Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's it's right down on Queen. It's pushing the boundary for pe- what people would call uh, the beach. But anyway, it's a good farmers market. Well, it's right on the edge. Yeah, and it, I mean it. Yeah, it, it's it's out of the geographic range of what the traditional beach is considered. So you gotta give it to Leslieville, but it's a great little farmers market, and uh, we go there a lot in the summer. And uh, anyway, I got some Morello cherries, and I did uh, my classic thirty-seven eleven French saison on Morello cherries, and it was really, really nice, really good beer. That sounds really delicious. I th- I just feel like cherries could work so well in so many things. Um, there's the risk of in certain darker beers or even bigger, boozier beers of it coming off as medicinal because mm-hmm. uh, cherries tend to have that sort of connotation or taste memory for many people. But I don't know. It all depends on, the, I think, the, the recipe of your beer and the type of cherry that you're using. Well, exactly. But, Using the sour cherry, I think, would help because a lot yeah. of that cherryness, it's kind of like a sickly sweet kind of cherry artificial. thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with cherry. What would be your number one ingredient? Well, it's a, actually, it's an ingredient, um, I've brewed with twice now. Uh, one time I don't know what the results were though. You might, there's a little hint. And the other time the results in principle were good but the final execution was flawed so the first time oh and i haven't told you what it was it's altufo mangoes which i can't grow i have to i'd have to buy those as well but those are these smaller yellow mangoes they're well smaller and yellow they're delicious they're very sweet and so the first time i used those i think was the i we were doing brumance it was me and mark and i think it was the one we did with spinny uh from sawdust and we did Altufo mangoes and Earl Grey tea in uh, in a gold nail. And I never had it. <laughs> I think it was still fermenting out and, and we did another episode and then we didn't do any episodes after that. And so I never had it. So I'm assuming you and Mark probably drank it at some point because it would have been in a keg in your in your in your, in your cooler. That does but, not uh, sound like something I've uh had the pleasure of enjoying. I wonder if he's just got it like sitting in a keg in the conditioning cabinet, just waiting. There are a few batches of super, super old homebrew, um, just in carboys in the basement in the garage. Well, because there was also, we did an all Brett ferment with Ian from Amsterdam. And we knew that was going to take like six months or something. And that one could very well still be sitting around completely bone drags the brett will have annihilated any sugar left in that thing i don't but, know it's, uh, it's highly possible you should come over someday and we could check it out i think there's all kinds of weird stuff in carboys down there mark and i were talking last night actually that he should uh sub for you one time on the podcast i just suggested that to him tonight actually on our way home that's right. So we were talking, I was doing some sniffing around yesterday about the old, the old chestnut that we always have, you and I, the definition of craft beer and was taught. I talked to a bunch of different people yesterday. I had a fascinating afternoon talking about that, but that's I for heard. He app. told me about it and, uh, and basically <laughs> gave me the warning. He's like, that's what Chris might want to talk about tonight. So heads up. No, no, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to do that. Cause you and I, we know where each other stand. I think we and- beat it to death. Yeah. I'm going to put out some writing about it in the next month or so that might make us talk about it again. But anyway, I was talking to him and his opinion 
not unsurprisingly, I don't expect married people to walk in lockstep on everything, but his opinion is is different from yours. And I said, you should tell Mandy that I want you to guest on the podcast because the implication there being that then him and I could team up on you. But uh but then I was thinking about it. I was like, actually, it'd be a lot of fun if Mandy was like sick one time to have you like sub in as like nearly Mandy, like also owner of left field, also Wrigley's <laughs> person, but not Mandy. It's Mark. I thought it would be fun. But. I think if you think I'm a lady, a few words, uh, Mark will really give you a run for, for your money. I would ensure that I would get him at least somewhat intoxicated before we <laughs> did it. But anyway, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, yeah. Mangoes, what I would use in brewing. So we made this beer and I think about that golden ale. So nice kind of Belgian spice to the yeast, but not a whole heap getting imparted like it's it's a canvas to work with. And then sweet, ripe Altufo mangoes. And I got Earl Grey tea from uh, Pippins on Queen Street, which is a lovely tea shop. If you like tea, don't go to David's which I've been told by multiple people is the Hooters of tea shops, go to Pippin's. I believe the owner's name there, Barb, wonderful woman anyway, and, and her whole staff, great people and very lovely tea. And so we got some beautiful loose leaf Earl Grey, and I think we gave it like a 15 minute whirlpool stand and uh, chucked the mangoes in secondary. And in principle, that was probably one hell of a beer. And then the other time I used it was with a friend of mine who is from Nicaragua, and we made a beer called Nicaraguan breakfast stout. And so it was a stout made with, uh, Nicaraguan coffee and Altifo mangoes. And I've actually got bottles of it still kicking around because I don't know how, but I completely screwed up, uh, carbonating it. Cause I bottle condition, I bottle carb cause I don't have a draft system. And so the beer is, too coffee, which was just a, a misjudgment on our part, but also completely still. And with the too coffee-ness, it's like drinking a really weird cold brew. And so mm. it's you can taste all the potential, but you've got to be imaginative to appreciate it because otherwise it just kind of tastes like crap. What do you do with stuff like that, Chris? Do you still have a lot of it sitting around or do you end up dumping? Dump it out. Yeah, I do. Do you ever yeah. play around with blending? Like if there's something you don't love. Do you brew something else to balance it and blend it together? The problem is if you bottle condition the way I do, if you don't have access to draft stuff, yeah. you can't you really can't open a bottle and pour it back. And no, I mean, no, no. You, to some extent you could, I could maybe use like those. I think I have six bottles of that coffee stout just cause I don't know why I'm sentimental. And, uh, I could like crack one of those and almost use it as like, a um, like a liqueur or something, but yeah, it's it's some beer mixology. Yeah, it's too late yeah. at that point. To be honest with you, I think we talked about this either on or off uh, record last time. But I had this five gallon carboy of last year's Christmas beer that I never got around to doing anything with. And when we tasted it this year, it was pretty acetic. And so we were still thinking about maybe bottling it off because it was cool. Like it it drank like a sour because it was just some wild bugs had gotten into it and still had a lot of neat complexity and stuff to it. But it was just it was pretty acetic. Uh, but then we didn't do that either. And then I moved and I moved it with me and it was sitting at the back door. And I said to my buddy, Josh, the day we were brewing the split batch, I was like, you know, what, man, let's just rack this off and do a fresh carboy, get it off the cake and uh I dumped in like 500 ml of apple cider vinegar, like real cider vinegar. So it's, it's got acetobacter in it. And so now it's just, that's going to chew through all that uh, ethanol and convert it to acetic acid. And we'll have a really nice, interesting, dark, multi Belgian spicy vinegar. So I've been sniffing it every couple of days and it's smelling pretty exciting. Mm, that sounds so, great. That is something that you can do when the beer is just a total write off. Well, not if it's a total write off, but if, if it's, there are times when it's a drain pour, but rather than drain pouring it, you can vinegarize it instead. And that's at least then you're not wasting it. You know, Yeah, the challenge with vinegar, though, is you can only use so much of it. What do you you should start a, like a vinegar label of homebrews gone wrong vinegar company? 
Well, you'll recall that the homebrewing club uh, whose website I pitched earlier was Crooked Bullseye. Uh, the idea being that most of the things we do is pretty much wrong. And if we hit the target, it's because it was crooked. Uh, so producing vinegar under that label would be very easy and it would fit right with our ethos. Yeah, so. you should totally do it. If you want to start packaging it up and selling it, uh, you could sell some in my shop. I'm allowed to sell locally made art- artisanal products now. So <laughs> bring hmm, it on. What are I'm curious about that. Not that I'm thinking necessarily about doing that, but like. See you later, Canada Post. (laughs) I'm out of here. Take your benefits and suck an egg. I'm making vinegar in five gallon batches. (laughs) No, I was just thinking like there's got to be like liability issues and stuff like food production. But if it's artisanal, that's like the government's way of saying you can just do whatever you want. We're not going to have any oversight. You just work away. Yeah, so, there are some pretty uh, strict standards when it comes to food production. So. Food production, I mean, you know, because you're on a brewery and that is food production is mm-hmm. crazy. Try making a package like a, an an end product food for mass market like grocery stores. It's crazy. The amount of licensing and inspections, It's it makes running a restaurant look like chump change. Yeah, you're, really you're susceptible to a CFIA, Canadian Food Inspection mm-hmm. Agency, inspections at any and all times and you better be prepared for them yeah it's crazy talk anyway um what do you got coming up you got anything coming up you guys doing any uh, little league batches we're not we're doing a lot more one-off on one-off batches on the big system Um, what are those called like call-ups or no baseball analogy (laughs) when we can't think of a name that we we think is well suited to the beer we uh we usually call it a one-off and then just list the style. Mm. Um, but that's kind of boring, and we like to have a little bit of fun with the, the branding. So we try to come up with names for each of them. Um, like Wrigley is an example of one of the beers, first and third, and the anniversary number three. Those are all one-off batches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then even the Prospect, we just launched Prospect Galaxy a few weeks back. Um, if you haven't tasted it, it's like fruit punch in a beer. It's amazing. Uh, all coming from the galaxy hops it's it's really wonderful and aromatic Mm. um so yeah we're we're doing we're doing more of those it's funny you mentioned tea because we're we're doing a lot of trialing and playing around with tea and beer right now and we hope to in the somewhat near future launch a a a beer that incorporates some tea um so that's going to be a lot of fun um yeah a lot a lot of one-off batches sunlight park makes its return this week on friday in fact um, like it, it, it's brewed. You're you're packaged and selling on Friday. It is, yeah. We're la- we're launching Friday, packaged and ready to go. Um, yeah, it's uh, a month earlier than usual, but we're getting it out there. And yeah, it'll be around from April till August. So nice long haul with with it this season. We're all sort of ready for summer to be here. So we're just going to pretend it's so with the beer. Sowie. Um, yeah, so just a, a lot of that and gearing up for, for baseball season. Of course, the home opener is a, a week this Friday. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so just baseball and beer and getting ready to go. Um, briefly, I know you've probably been pretty busy, but you must have been following a little bit. What do you think about some of the uh, spring training things that have been uh, popping up? So like Asuna is slated to stick as the closer. It's not going to be second man in. Yeah, I'm think? so excited about I, I'm so excited about that. Um, there's there's a lot of great stuff going on on with the team. We haven't been following it as closely as we normally would, um, but yeah, we've we've been obviously following it to to some degree. And I think there have been some changes uh, in the off season that generally Toronto fans haven't been too terribly happy with. But all in all, we're uh, we're shaping up to have a pretty solid team this year. And what I really love to see is just the excitement around baseball that exist in Toronto right now amongst Toronto sports fans. I think given the run that the Jays had in the, the postseason, um, this spring is is really set to be uh, an exciting one for Toronto Toronto sports fans. There's like a, a bit of a buzz in the air to have the team back playing uh, playing for the summer that hasn't been there in a, in a very, very long time. There's always a bit of buzz around home opener, but I, think, I don't think it's ever been quite this electric. I mean, that was one hell of a run yeah. last season, so... Cool. Sorry, I just burped into the podcast. That's okay. That's, that's good punctuation, though. Uh, myself, I'm going to become a mailman. So that's all I got going that's on. That's super exciting. I'm really jazzed for you. 
I'm pretty stoked. I uh, pretty pretty stoked. So if uh, if you see me out in the neighborhood, anybody, and you recognize me, go ahead and say, "Hey, Chris, glad to see you in the hood," and I'll offer your dog a biscuit and your kid a pat on the head or whatever it is that mailmen are supposed to do. <laughs> I haven't done the training yet. Maybe both of those things are forbidden. Don't touch the kids and don't feed the dogs. But, but it just uh, strikes me that mailmen and mailwomen are the uh, delivery agents, Mandy. Delivery Please. agents are the mail carriers. They're the, the happiest bunch. They just seem to really <laughs> enjoy me? life. No, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just the ones in our neighborhood, but they oh, are, man. they are delightful. They're so yeah, happy. It, you know what? To be fair, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen uh, one of the carriers in my current neighborhood. The ones out of my own place left something to be desired, um, but uh, it occurs to me that your neighborhood and the brewery's neighborhood and my neighborhood would all be sort of like high choice routes. So that would be for the the guys who are like lifers and. So, yeah, you might get the guy, the, I say guys, yeah, gender non-specifically are the people who uh, have, uh, have been at it the longest and love it the most. So that's a real possibility. I suspect that I'm going to be a friendly, happy Mr. Rogers neighborhood type uh, postal carrier myself. That's my hope. Maybe I'll get really bitter and cynical really quickly, but I don't think so. Well, I think the you're like, you're delivering more bad news than good most of the time. Like it's mostly bills and junk mail. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you get a piece of mail that you're delighted with? Tonight I got home and I had a, an invitation to one of my best friend's wedding showers in the mail. And it's not every day you get a nice piece of personal mail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty excited about that. But usually it's just junk mail and bills and um, really weird stuff for the former the former <laughs> residents that haven't lived here in seven or eight years. And they, yeah. For some reason, we still continue to get their mail. But it's like. I don't know. Most of the time you're not, you're not delivering things that people want, but I guess maybe just being outside and walking and. Yeah. You get to be part of the community. I like it. I like it. Anyway, uh, let's wrap it on up. Do this probably in two weeks, but we'll have to see what my life looks like. I know. I know going forward, we might have to alter this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep these crazy 1030 p.m. late nights if I have to get up at some ungodly postal hour to get out there and and hit my beat. So we'll have to see. uh, Might have to do a little rejigging on some of our standards, but uh, I do intend to keep at it. And hopefully in two weeks, things will still be good to go. I'll be full of all sorts of federal policy to not be able to share. I'm sure it's probably all all hush hush, but uh, we will get back together then, Mandy. Drink Sounds some beer, good. talk some beer, be friendly and uh, and and go from there. So uh, that'll be it for tonight, I guess. Thanks for listening, Toronto. We'll talk to you in yeah, probably about two weeks.